You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, you're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn so, thing. So you just put him in the morgue. You goddamn right, I do. One chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore. You are both hunter and prey. This is the way. This is the way. The Force will be with you. Always. Be bold. Be brave. Courageous. Black alert. This is called Pilot Radio. We a refuge for great geeks, cause round here we don't get geek. We don't care for the hate speech. That's why we ain't mainstream. So we linked up on the same team. No heights we can't reach. We are fan, we're hearts true. If you feel the same, sing along to say great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge, great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. It's like, yeah, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Luxford. I'm totally gonna use that, too. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of At The Diner, the flagship podcast here on the Great Geek Refuge. My name is Mike Lunsford. I am the editor-in-chief of our website. It's greatgeekrefuge.com. Check it out when you get a chance. Lots of great articles, lots of great podcasts, so much for your visual and auditory pleasure. I, I am also one of the hosts of this wonderful podcast that we have here, but I am not alone in this venture. I have two fantastic co-hosts. You know them. You love them. Let's get to those introdu- uh, introductions. <laughs> <laughs> Oh fuck! You're keeping that in. That's saying in. <laughs> it's too late now. Yeah. Introductions. Introductions. Fucking assholes. <laughs> Introduce these douches. Introductions, if you will. Um, the introductions for the other co-hosts of this podcast. And co-host seat number one. He has I don't know 87 other podcasts on this network. The man is always working. The man's always doing content. Um, he's also a wonderfully talented musical artist as well. He's got lots of great content out there. You can find it on Bandcamp, anywhere music is streamed. His name is MC Brooks. Greetings, gents. Excuse my voice. I'm still recovering. I'm just glad that you have a functional enough voice that you could join us today because it, yes. it was it was uh, pretty, uh, pretty sketchy there for a little bit, but I'm glad you were able to be on today. I, I had difficulty swallowing like two days ago. Like, Ain't nobody mad about him. That's yeah. what you rasp. <laughs> that's always that's scary it. too when you get to that where you, like your throat hurts and you can't swallow you're like oh, is this how i die this is it this is the yeah. end yeah this is how <laughs> this is how it all ends uh in co-host seat number two he is a wonderfully talented visual artist he is also incredibly knowledgeable about all things geeky nerdy movies tv pop culture in general in fact on the cold open you got to hear him Talk about his love of designing women. Do you want to hear him talk about his love of the designing women uh, TV show that was on CBS all those years ago? Well, you can. All it takes is five bucks and you can join our Patreon and you can hear about all of this wonderful things that Mr. Rambo has to say about designing women and his love of Julia Sugarbaker. Um, he's so knowledgeable about these things that we've given him a wonderful nickname. It is The Professor. His name is James Rambo. 
Why, Mike, whatever could you mean? That show was on the air only 31 years ago. Fuck you. Oh my God. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Why would and you say that's that? that's when it ended. It ended, its final season aired in 1992. Wow. What? Yeah. I still remember the episode they did about Clarence Thomas. I remember being a kid and watching that and not really understanding it. And I was like, yeah, they're dressed up like old ladies. I don't know what's going on right now, but we're talking about Clarence Thomas. There's something about the news that's important. I was like seven, maybe. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Um, we've got a very special guest for you today. I have been hoping that we were going to get him as a guest because when it comes to the whole podcasting website of geeky, nerdy things, it's kind of a brotherhood that happens where you meet other people who do similar things to you and you automatically like... They know what's up. They know the struggle. They know what it's like to have to run things on their own, come up with things, be a, a, essentially like the person behind the scenes, making sure that everything functions. Um, this podcast network that I speak of, this website that I speak of, you may have heard of it. It's called Paprika. Uh, the man that we have today is, I would say, the, the guy in charge, the man behind the scenes, the the floating head, uh, like in The Wizard of Oz. His name is Daryl Menzel. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, with that, that designing women news, I have never been closer to just walking away from a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to be reminded of my own mortality in such yeah. vicious ways. But thanks for having me, guys. I, I am delighted to be here. Finally, oh. it took took a long bumpy road, but we're here, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'll be right back. I got to go grab my walker. Um, yeah. So, Daryl, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Paprika, man. So, how long have you been doing Paprika? We are on year nine of Paprika. Uh, started in twenty fourteen. April twenty fourteen was the first really of the Paprika podcast. Yeah, GGR started in July of two thousand fourteen. Oh, right on, man. Right on. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. Because I was just talking to these guys and I was saying that like in, tw in 2024, we needed to do a 10 year anniversary. So maybe we need to make this a combined anniversary for both of our respective things. And just th there you go. Exactly. You know, I'm yeah. I'm on board with it. Yeah. I've got a got all sorts of wonderful things lined up for, for next year down the road there for the big 10 year. But yeah, it's always like you were saying earlier, man, it's the, the, the fraternal brotherhood of geekness, man. It's, it's always yeah. nice being able to exchange the ideas and talk with people who know exactly where you've been, where you come from and, and have some idea where you're going. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Um, I wanted to ask you, so you, so it's been 10 years. Um, well, almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years next year. Um, what kicked it off? What, what started you doing down this, uh, this geeky nerdy rabbit hole? Uh, I, I had a, a podcast back in 09 before it was the thing to do. Um, uh, with me and a, me and a friend of mine was, you know, talking, yes, and shooting the breeze and whatnot. Uh, and then that ended when we were no longer co-located in the same country. Uh, and then, you know, a couple years down the road, I was like, I, I would really like to have another show of some kind. Um, I was just the, I was the co-host. I'm not sure my buddy was the, was the main host. And I was like, well, what do I know the most that I can speak to some, some level of knowledge on? And I was like, oh, it's culture. Watch a lot of movies, a lot of TV, read a lot of books, a lot of comics, all that sort of thing. So it got me a new microphone for Christmas, man, and fired it up and way we went after that. Um, reached out to a couple of people, asked, I asked them, is this something that you would listen to? 
uh, and for the most part, it was, yeah, yeah, I would check it out. One specific person, um, Les Boyd was the guy I did the other podcast with. One specific person was like, you will never make it if you don't have Les Boyd by your side. So it's been uh, almost 10 years of spite and pettiness of oh. trying to succeed. <laughs> just, oh. uh, just to Darryl, prove that person wrong. Daryl, if only you knew the behind the scenes stuff about how pettiness has fueled me <laughs> in these podcasts. <laughs> if only you knew, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, you know the struggles. Uh, yeah, yeah, I it, do. That, that has been that has been in the back of my mind now for almost a decade, and that's why I've been as charging as hard as I possibly can on this. Oh, I get it, man. There was yeah. there was a dude that I that uh, I used to podcast with, and it was like where I really learned a lot of the ropes of uh, podcasting. And at one point, he um, I went off to do my own thing. Um, I started GGR. He was like, "Hey, you should bring everybody together, and you know, you can come work for me." I was like, "Okay, cool." And then I kind of relaunched GGR, and he's like, "Well, it's not going to work. So when it fails, I'll think about letting yeah. you come back." And those words stick in my brain all the time because let me tell you, the day I left, they've not done a podcast since, but we're going on, and I'm going to brag right now. I hope this piece of shit's listening. Hundred and eighty thousand subscribers. So eat my ass. Um, <laughs> if you wanted to podcast with us. I'll think about it. How about that? Yeah, that's what I like to hear. Even if he doesn't hear it with 180,000 subscribers, yep. one of those people wants to eat your ass. So <laughs> you're, you're there, you're there. That's, that's really the definition of success. That's my metric. When I see someone out in the streets and they're like, listen, ass was made to be eight. It's already split in half already. It's already shaped so like a just... bun, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's, there's our new t-shirt, you know? With 180,000 subscribers, at least one person out there wants to eat your ass. It's already shaped like a bun. Oh, good Lord. As yeah. many as 360,000 ears just heard all of that. <laughs> that like, whenever, whenever you can put out any kind of... Um, real concentrated negativity to your enemies uh, uh to that many people and have it really kind of casually spread out like you know it's it's, it's nice phrasing that idea spread out with the budget yeah, yeah, like, yeah it, it, it wasn't even intentional it wasn't even intentional i'm just i'm just a vehicle for the muses yeah. <laughs> oh my god congrats on all y'all success man um i i'm a huge fan huge fan keep on doing it thank you man thank you thank you i i gotta say i'm envious of the the fucking facebook group y'all have because let me tell you like we started ours and like it, it's great and i love ours let me be clear like i love the people that we have it's fantastic it's wonderful it, it's it's a really really good quality group but like you got like just on top of content like all the time it's always like surveys and there's like questions and it's like hey here's the thing we're doing today and i'm just like I don't know. Well, I can't remember the last time I actually put something on the group page. And I'm like, <laughs> luckily I got Rambo. I got MC. I got other people who, who run it for me at this point. But like, you guys are just on top of it, man. And like such engagement that you have from all the people that are there. It's awesome. Yeah. It, uh, I started the group to compliment the podcast and what i got was a whole bunch of people who don't listen to podcasts <laughs> that is so that is know, a big that is a big same right there like, yeah yeah oh yeah i got it oh that's cool you guys started doing a podcast we've been doing it for nine yeah. goddamn years it predates the fucking group 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, we strive to, to create just a space where everybody can, you know, nerd out, not feel uh, not feel any shame for what they love or don't love, and uh, and have a, a good clean space. And your guys' group, I feel like, is the is like a good complement to Paprika. Uh, and anyone who is in both groups, I think, will get like the the full helping nerdum that is out there because you guys do a lot of stuff that we don't do vice versa so if, if there's any pop Ricans out there listening man get yourself find yourself in ggr so you can you might get a, a main meal of pop Rican, but you're missing out on that tasty dessert dang ggr is this is this what it was like, like when batman and superman like shook hands yeah. and like, became best friends because like that's what's going on world's finest exactly. yeah this is that tom king issue where where batman is talking about superman and superman is talking about <laughs> yeah, batman yeah bingo <laughs> was it a date night yeah yeah um, that that is still my favorite tom king issue that he's ever written. it's so fucking good man yeah. like yeah it's it's mike if you you familiar with that mike i'm pretty sure that's the one where like batman's talking about like it clark and lois show up at the same time that bruce yeah. and selena are like they're like walking towards the elevator and they're coming up the elevator but they're both like saying like oh yeah batman's great he's the best and like have you ever smelled him he smells like leather it's amazing like and, <laughs> and he's like he's like you'd think an alien would smell weird but no he smells like apple pie like they're yeah like they're both just like complimenting each other yeah and each is like i mean they probably wouldn't really want to hang out with me yeah you're not, you're not really my friend you know and they're it, just doing it to be nice and like yeah falls to the you know to the two grown-ups i.e lois and selena be like hi how you doing yeah. Like, yeah. They, yeah they both come out of the elevator at the same time like oh <laughs> hey. well, why did you fly up and all that kind of good stuff you dork-ass losers like just say hello <laughs> like <laughs> I'm just waiting for somebody to be like, would you two just kiss already? Jeez. Right. <laughs> um, so our topic, um, but I, but I wanted to ask, uh, well, here, let me do this. Let, let's give you the chance to plug here. Daryl, the website, the podcast, Ooh. like, cause I know that you have like, like a whole catalog, a whole network of, of paprika content that people can find. Where would they find this wonderful nerdy and geeky content? Uh, you can go to website paprikareviews.com where you can uh, read my film reviews. Also, you will find the vast majority of podcasts that we do there. If you are a subscriber to all the usual places, if you're listening to this, you know the usual places are your Apple, your Spotify, your Stitchers, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Paprika, man, like Paprika with an O instead of an A, and you will find us. And all of our various contents are our different movie shows, our, our drafts, and all that good stuff. I'm going to put you on the spot here real quick because we had a question um, when when we had um, Amani on. Um, what was the worst thing you streamed since you're a reviewer? What was the worst <laughs> thing you streamed in 2022? A movie called Monstrous. Uh, it stars Christina Ricci. And it, it, you know, one of the things with reviewing a film is not just going to the theaters and seeing things. You know, you get a lot of stuff that's just kind of sent you in the inbox. Like, hey, if you get the time, you know, there's this movie, check it out. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I don't do a whole lot of scary movies. I'm I'm a big big wuss in that aspect. But I was like, in order to you know kind of round things out, I'll I'll, I'll check out this, and it's just not good. Um, <laughs> and it's it's really one of those is like. Christina Ricci just just needed to do something on a Tuesday 
And so she just showed up and did this movie, and and this was the result. I I wish I could even remember what it was about. Uh, something about a monster in a house, and she's protecting her kid from the monster in the house, or some such. It, it's one of those that's like, I think I can bang out my review halfway through this movie, and then just be done <laughs> with it. It's one of those type deals. I uh, And if you ever want to just sparkling a, a couple of not great movies of course there's always netflix right there's just <laughs> or, there's, there's always netflix indeed or fx produced series which has a preview <laughs> that makes it look like it's going to be a true crime thing and then it's nothing like that and even though it has a star-studded cast it's written by seven-year-olds and it's the most like nonsensical thing you've ever seen in your life hey i'm talking about you the watcher because i'm gonna talk shit about you every single chance that i get because that I, show was goddamn awful i tried to warn you but i, I know really you did, did. i know you did i know you're out here doing the lord's work james rambo i appreciate you <laughs> and uh if anyone so mad <laughs> so 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 daryl mentioned uh film reviews and such this is not a casual like oh you know i've written a couple of reviews for our site and things no daryl is a proper like uh uh certified of sorts uh, uh um actual like proper film reviewer of like how many different organizations and uh put it this way daryl gets sent screeners so <laughs> like um like he's he's legit uh, and, right. and not only can you read the wonderful reviews he writes, the incredibly thoughtful, uh, uh, um, wonderfully executed and, and, and thought out and, and, and fully considered um, uh, uh, breakdowns of his assessment of these films, uh, he also is good enough to go back and do audio recordings. No oh, yeah. So if you want to hear the dulcet tones of Daryl Mansell <laughs> walk you through just how boring this movie was. Because <laughs> like, man, I'll take bad over forgettable any day of the week. That is, yeah. that yeah. is a, oh, that's a hard one to come back from. It is. I've, I've often said, I think I said in my Attack of the Clones review, you can have a bad movie. That's okay. You can have a long movie and that's okay just do not have a long, a long bad, bad movie, movie. Yeah. yeah it's not what you want not what you want yeah i i, I figured why not record the podcast people got shit to do if you can want to read it fine if you want to listen to it while you're driving to work that's fine too either you know get it how you live however you can get it i'll try to provide it for you it's an excellent idea, and I don't know why I didn't think to do the same thing. And I will absolutely be going back and recording the reviews that I've written. Uh, <laughs> because Fuck! That is just, a really good idea. It's a really yeah. fucking good idea. <laughs> like, and the, the R is already in our fucking, like, web, Great Geek Review. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, there's a new podcast coming to the network. Uh -huh. This is, honestly, man, like, this is the thing that, that really frustrates me is I see the work that he puts in and I see the the level of effort and I'm like why isn't Paprika blowing the fuck up like we it, it's it's exactly the kind of thing that the internet needs more of like you know we'll we'll get obviously we're going to get into um uh, this episode of the, the last of us and all that that entails um you know both the the excellent quality of the art itself and the 
the fucking awful Venn diagram <laughs> that is fucking nerds on the internet and human-sized pieces of shit um, and how they feel the need to ruin things. Um, but I see this kind of thing, like I, you know, most of my best ideas that, that I've, you know, brought to, to GGR have been like, oh, what is Daryl doing? Like, what is Paprika doing that I cannot like wholesale steel but like adapt to make our make work for us um and it's like yeah man i i i know this is sort of a uh uh coming to john carpenter about like hey i really like the thing uh um but uh i i really do feel like you know y'all should be fucking huge um and i'm i'm hoping and that uh if if there's any 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 potential um uh, uh, additional listenership, we can we can get y'all over there. Uh, you know, fingers fucking crossed, man. Because there's there I, needs to be more eyes on stuff. I much appreciated. I attribute it to to one simple, one simple thing, man. It's just, it's just too much out there. As yeah. soon as it became, you know, easy and affordable to make a podcast. Oh yeah, everyone found out what podcasts mm -hmm. were. Hundred percent. It just it just blew up, and it's just it's hard. If you're not already a celebrity, to really oh, cut dude. through the noise, to, yeah, to get people to listen to your stuff, and then I've just seen people's eyes glass over when I tell them, "Oh yeah, I do podcasts," because you hear it a million times a day from a million different people who do podcasts. It's just hard to really stand out amongst all the stuff that's out there. And like, I want to, I want to make sure that I don't come off as glib or or anything like that, or like pretentious when it when I say this, like. I, I, you can ask these guys, I don't, I don't do it. I never like, oh, I work so hard and I put so much, I do. I mean, I, I edit, I make sure that everything looks right before I put it out. I make sure everything sounds right. And I mean, occasionally I'll screw up and somebody will be like, hey, Mike, uh, there's no audio in this episode and I'll go back and fix it. Um, but like, we got lucky. I want to be a hundred percent clear. Okay. And like, I'm, I'm a big believer in you make your own luck to a certain extent. Like you, <laughs> you, you put yourself in the best opportunity that you possibly can. So that if something does fall into your lap, that you can take advantage of it. Like, I don't even know what we did, but like during the pandemic, like seriously, you can ask these guys, like during the pandemic, I was like, fuck guys, we're over a hundred thousand subscribers. I don't know how the hell it happened. Nice. And it just kept climbing up and up and up and up. It was like, Hey, we're at 50,000. Did, did one of y'all like put pictures of your butthole on the internet or something like like what's going on right now because like like something something big happened and it just kept going up and up and i couldn't figure it out but i was like all right i'm just gonna ride this and it keeps doing it and like the only thing i can think of is, is i put the podcast in every single place that i could i put it on amazon i put it on spotify i put it on um google i put it on um iHeartRadio. it's on apple just by default because all things go to apple like yes which just sounds like something that'll be said in the future when Apple owns the planet in like a dystopian future. Um, like it just, it, there was no, there's no magical button. There's it just, it fucking happened. And like that going back to what we talked about on the cold open, which you can hear as well, if you would like to subscribe on our Patreon for $5, <laughs> um, this is the 2023 thing that we're doing now. We just like shamelessly plug the Patreon. Um, yeah, if you don't like it now, it ain't gonna stop no time soon. Yeah. If you don't like it, all you have to do is subscribe $20 a month <laughs> and we will stop doing it. Uh, I So a uh, uh, quick sidebar, I saw something amazing online and it was um, someone screen capped their Venmo and this person had managed to piss someone off so badly that 
they sent them a thousand dollars to never speak to them again. Cool. I, enemies like that, right? <laughs> I, I can't. I one, I can't think of like what I could do to someone who has the money and the wherewithal to do that. Just, but I've been, I've been brainstorming, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna see if I can't come up with it. Because I'm sure you go. I got it for you life. already. The new show for you all, the Rob Liefeld Appreciation Show. <laughs> 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 and someone will pay you money. Please stop doing it. Please stop doing uh, it. It's going to be short episodes, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the only thing that, uh, the, the final thing I'll say about Paprika, the group, I think it works well because I, I just run with one mantra run it as if millions of people subscribe to this group. and i think that's why it's as effective as it is because i want it to be a a professional thing you know with lots of nonsense and bullshittery involved uh but i i try to run it as if three million people were part of it and that's what keeps it going for me that's why i try to keep coming up with new fresh ideas to consistently entertain the folks yeah dude that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad that we're we're working on this together. And this is my segue I'm going to do. In fact, let's have a conversation, all of us, about this most recent episode of The Last of Us, um, which was the third episode. And uh, for those of you in the pop culture know, uh, our buddy uh, Ron Swanson, uh, known as Nick Offerman, uh, was in this episode. Uh, so that was exciting to see. Um, I'll, I'll kind of kick us off and then we'll go kind of round table. Um, this was not what I was expecting. I did not play the video game. I expected this to be like fucking Walking Dead in the sense that it was just going to be bummer after bummer after bummer interspersed with some violence. And that's about it. And it was just like like an endless cycle of life sucks and then you die. But then you get reanimated as a um, mushroom filled corpse. Um, I know that the cordyceps uh, infection doesn't work like that. I'm just using a zombie analogy here. So all you people out there on the internet, oh wait, no, maybe I should purposefully make an uh, an error because apparently <laughs> that's how you get subscribers. Um, yes. <laughs> but I, this was not what I was expecting. And I described this to somebody else that, because I, I'm gonna address it later in the, in the episode because I want to discuss and see how you guys feel about it. Um, there, there was some commentary that could be considered negative about this episode. Not the, oh, why do they got to be gay people? Um, there was there was some other stuff, and we'll talk about that. But, like, this was one of the most beautiful episodes of anything that I've seen. Because it took... It takes this awful thing that's happening. Humanity has been destroyed, more or less, by this, by this virus that's just uh, uncontrollable. And because of that, this awful thing that happened, a beautiful thing came from that. And like, to, to see these two people find each other, fall in love because of the cordyceps virus, or it's not even a virus, it's a fungus, the fungal infection that is that is plagued the earth. Like, w there, was a, there was a beauty in this. And the whole episode, it was, it was, it was, it was beautiful. It was heartwarming. It was, it was, there were parts that were, just absolutely wonderful to watch and then there was heartbreaking and for it all to be framed within an episode of um a man and a young girl trying to move on and survive in this world was just like it was just so artfully done and like i i really appreciated that they could take something like this and not just make it violence 
violent filled walking dead esque explosions and blood and guts and sinew like that's they're showing that this show is not going to be that and i'm thankful for it because i got fucking sick of walking dead like i i want to say it was like right when negan showed up i was like we're gonna do this shit again like this is the governor all over again why are we doing the exact same thing fuck this show i'm done and like the and the last of us has shown me that that is not going to be the case with this show and fucking bravo to the creators of this show the writers like i am all in for this now like i cannot wait to see where they're going to take me so that being said let me pass this around daryl you're our guest i want you to kick us off man give me your thoughts on uh this episode of uh of the last of us and if you played the video game give me some insight on that too because i know that it was different than what happened in the video game and yeah and then we'll go round table uh mc you can pick us up after that and then rambo you can take us home yeah, I decided I hadn't played the games. I briefly thought about it, and I decided that it would be nice to come to something fresh. Because we know we live in the we live in the the era of you know the the comic book movie and all that kind of stuff, and and that's all stuff I know fairly well. I know these characters going in, so this was a change of pace for me. It's nice to be on the outside looking in for once. This episode was absolutely amazing. I, I there's not a beat of it that I didn't like. Thought Offerman took it to a new level that I hadn't really seen from him. He's he's always played the the gruff guys with a, a touch of sweetness about them. But this is this was something a little bit different with uh, with Offerman. It it needed to establish that it was not The Walking Dead, and I think this was the best way to establish that. And I'm with you. I I got tired of the rigmarole of Oh, we show up to these seemingly decent people. Oh no, some horrible secret. We must leave the town in flames, move on to the next season. Like that's what The Walking Dead became for me for the longest. And I, I dipped out right after the season where Negan premieres. And I cannot think of an episode of The Walking Dead that was anywhere close to being as beautiful as what we got with this episode. They did great character pieces, but nothing that hit quite this heavy. Um, where Walking Dead is mostly cynical, I think The Last of Us is, with this episode at least, it showed that there is still a place for love and humanity in this world. Mm -hmm. And that's what's that's what's standing it apart. Um, I'm excited to see where they go from here. If they can maintain the level of quality that they have with these first three episodes, this, this might go down as the best show of the year, I think. I mean, we still got Mando 3, so you know who, who knows yeah. but this is this is a strong contender for best show of the year and it's almost good enough to make you forget about all the bullshit that hbo max does behind the scenes uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> but it's a it's a damn good show so far and i'm loving every bit of it and fuck all the people who are mad about the gay stuff oh we're, gonna talk, gay love. oh we're gonna talk yeah. about that too oh yeah yeah. yeah for sure yeah uh mr brooks yeah, uh, well, just to piggyback off Daryl, like I, I, I think I started the game like around whenever it dropped, but my memory's bad, so I, I have, I'm pretty much going into it with this with complete fresh, uh, fresh eyes, fresh ears, with like I'm not picking up on any of the references or, or anything, um, which which is just kind of nice. Um, I, I kind of I kind of experienced this uh, a little bit when we reviewed Halo last year because I was not familiar with any of the Halo lore at all. So I got, I got I kind of got to look at it as an outsider with no knowledge of the lore, 
trying to figure out whether this like whether it works by itself without have without having to already be a fan to pre-establish or to already lean me in a direction of probably liking it because i'm already familiar with the stuff and like this show i mean i i don't even know if i have the words to describe just how beautiful tragic and hopeful it makes you feel like it, t- it takes you through just a roller coaster of emotions over the course of an episode and it's really just a testament to the writing and the pacing something we like something we have made fun of other people for that being the usual criticisms of shows but this was really just a testament of peak writing and peak pacing and peak acting performances from everyone involved in the show to you know as someone who's unfamiliar, you managed to tell this amazing love story with characters I'm unfamiliar with. I know nothing about them. I know nothing about what roles they're going to play, and, and or even where the story itself was was even was even going. And you you managed to take me through the gamut and 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 you know make me make me feel just all the feels <laughs> um, in in an hour long episode. It was it was absolutely incredible. And it, I will say like you all you both mentioned nick offerman i mean murray bartlett was also fucking great and it was weird because i just finished watching season one of white lotus and he's a he's a prominent character in that so and he was fucking amazing in that so to find the range in the juxtaposition between the two characters i got to i got to watch him play between the two the, the two shows was was absolutely amazing and i mean this is this like I, I think this this episode also kind of encapsulates um, or, or shows that for people who still had doubts about their being the, like the ability to create good video game adaptations uh, based on what I've read because like uh, what I've heard because I, I've watched some other reviews from people who are familiar because I wanted to see if there were things that perhaps I'm you know I'm not catching because I'm unfamiliar with it and you know kind of unlike halo or any other games game uh you know adaptation that's come before there seems to be a general consensus in that oh no this is how you do it right this is absolutely how you do it right you can you can build upon characters that that uh people may be familiar with from the game but you can do the thing that the game didn't get to do which is go further and go and go more in depth and give more backstory Based on what I learned, uh, Bill and Frank, were, their relationship was not explored to the depth that we got in this episode at all. Yeah, and, and that made that that part is what's resonating with people who were already fans because it's 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 building upon the stuff that they were already familiar with, and in some cases even making it better uh, this time around. And I think that's that's a good testament in, in that this isn't just a one to one adaptation of you know what the game is because you can just go play the game if you want. If you want to, if you want that story, this is doing something and building on top of it and, and separating itself from not only the game but from other adaptations as well. Uh, it was, yeah, I, 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 I struggle to find something bad to say about about this show. It, it's been absolutely amazing so far, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to tonight when we're going to get, oh yeah, uh, the next the next episode, and seeing that it's already been greenlit for season two, like that, that. That yeah. makes me excited too to know that, you know, it's kind of, it, kind of like when we um, first saw Superman and Lois, and we were just kind of amazed that 
they made that show and that we were going to get more of it. So I'm excited that we're going to get more of it, not only with just this season, but with uh, the next season as well. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, Rambo. What's that, uh, you, my man? You know, I, I don't have too much more to add, but y'all have already said so well. Um, I hadn't even considered the way in which this really differentiates it itself from uh, a show like The Walking Dead. And the fact that they are really taking these opportunities to explore um, and really flesh out the, the story um, in ways that the game just, you know, either didn't or couldn't, or, you know, maybe in the moment just didn't think to do. Um, the One of the real benefits of something like this is particularly when you have uh, the original creators working on it, is being able to go back and say, like, okay, what if we uh, did this instead? What if we tried, you know, uh, flesh out or, or stayed on, on this particular idea for a little longer? Um, it is not always successful, uh, you know, to take a, um, an existing story and, and, and add more to it. You know, I'm, I'm looking at you, uh, Hobbit movies, um, but you know when when you have people who are who aren't just trying to jam pack as much into every uh, every iteration as possible, you can you can do these things like uh, like this episode. Not not only I I, I much like uh, much like MC, I haven't played the game in several years, so I have sort of a vague uh, uh, kind of a, a, a limited remembrance of it um in terms of the specifics and i remembered uh bill uh but i did not remember frank at all and why and one of the other things i'd forgotten is uh um not only do we not meet frank uh frank is dead when we come He's across him dead, yeah um and not only that but while they were uh in a relationship frank could not stand bill at the end uh, he actively was almost uh, not happy to die, but he was happy to be done with Bill's bullshit. Because um, the the thing we never, the thing we don't really get to see uh, in the game is, uh, or the thing we see in the game is, is Bill never stops being as paranoid mm -hmm. uh, and as um, as cautious as he is when we first meet him in the series. Um, and, you know, the idea to, to have it be, well, what if, um, these two men can really kind of change each other? What if their relationship together, um, really is a major catalyst for, um, how they grow and function as people. And also like, uh, you know, they don't have the, the same amount of time together that, um, that they do in the game, um, by, by shifting the uh the initial point of uh the outbreak back another 10 years you know that's 10 more years of story to explore yeah um yep and uh i you know mike you made a really good point earlier about how um this is a, a an interesting example of, of how something horrible uh can lead to something wonderful like frank and bill would never have met if not for this outbreak it, it, yeah. there's there's no reason for them to have um and even if they had 
the circumstances would almost certainly have been completely different. Um, so they wouldn't be the same people to be in the same place to form this relationship in that way. Um, it's really impressively done um, by everyone involved. It was wholly unexpected. Um, I I had seen, uh, so Troy Baker, who did the voice of Joel in the game, hosts the Last of Us podcast. And uh, I might have to start listening to that. Um, he uh he was I, I saw a little like you know hbo did a, a little interview snippet uh second with him uh released on youtube and you know one of the questions he's just going through and like answering like fan questions and comment questions and things and one of them was um you know how much how accurate is the series to the game and he said it's incredibly accurate but that doesn't mean there aren't deviations there are different things there are things added there are things changed uh to better serve the story we we're telling if all you want is a straight adaptation, well, then you should just play the game again. Um, I see what you I did there, straight adaptation. That's, that's... Uh, the, <laughs> again, <laughs> again, not even conscious of it, not even conscious, just, just a medium for the universe. Um, I 100% I, I agree. Like I, I have never been uh, a fan of um, what I don't even call, I, I, I refer to as translations. I don't want this exact story just transmuted into another medium um and there are different things you can do uh with like different mediums have different strengths uh you know i'm not breaking any new ground here um and and to really lean on the episodic nature of television particularly the way it's being uh the story's being told is a smart move um and uh you know i I am all the more impressed and excited to see where this show is going to go. Um, knowing what I know of the game and, and uh, what I know of some of the, the bigger plot points. Um, but seeing this, you know, it's, uh, it's really done a great job at establishing itself as um, a... You guys ever read uh, The Princess Bride? No. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Actually, actually, after you mentioned it to me and you were like, they do this really cool thing in the book where they like mention like the writer and it turns out that the, that writer's not even oh, like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, no. And I was like, I got to read this shit. And like, yeah, yeah, no, that's really good. Gold, yeah, Goldman has a whole uh, uh, like behind the scenes backstory thing about like trying to find a copy of the book that he read, that his father read to him when he was a kid, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the 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 proper narrative of the story is you watch the movie, then you read the book, you're basically reading the director's cut. You're getting mm -hmm. like all these moments fleshed out. You're getting all these these situations that you that are like maybe like a single line in the movie. Um and to some degree, this show is working as this incredible complement to the game. Like you don't have to have played it, but if you did, there are definitely moments where you know, it's going to zig where you think it's going to zag. And and so far, it's only added to the experience. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to see what else they're going to do. I was uh, just reading uh, about one very sweet thing and one very unfortunate thing. Uh, the the very sweet thing is uh, Murray Bartlett was, was recently on, you know, doing late night stuff. And uh, he mentioned that he watched the episode with his partner, um, who at the end of it was like, I don't want you to get sick. 
like it had he was he was so impacted by like the quality of the makeup the quality of the storytelling and it was just like i i didn't think i would see you as an old man until we were old men together um and it, it really hit him hard um which is very sweet the unfortunate thing is for anybody who is hoping for a Kate Bush situation with Linda Ronstadt, she unfortunately sold her music catalog in the last uh, couple ooh. years. Ooh. So the songwriter, Linda. the songwriter is, uh, you know, he's he's getting paid real good. But uh, <laughs> Linda, but Linda, said, Linda, yeah, Linda, honey, Linda, honey, she's... listen. <laughs> Linda, 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 listen, listen, listen Linda. Um, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's really impressive, and and like I said earlier, I am super fucking excited about tonight's episode, and yeah, um, I I am now at the I, I I have gotten to the point with both this and just sort of in general where like I'll watch a trailer of a thing, and that is it. I will cut myself off. I'm not looking at anything else. I, I want to go in as cold as I can, and that is a very recent development for me, where I I am trying to to come into it uh, uh, as as. Not uninformed, but as uh, um, as surprised as I can be. Like I don't need to see yeah. a, a a twenty second preview of a thing I'll I'll see in a week. Yeah. So I don't even know what we're covering tonight on the, this episode. Yeah. But here's here's looking forward to it. <laughs> I um I want to kick off the backlash um to this episode. One, the side that's complete horseshit. And then the second side of, I want to get your guys' take on this. Um, the first one, and let's talk about the bullshit. Um, the fact that there was so much homophobia in response to this episode was disappointing. But I really think that we need to remind ourselves that this is a very vocal minority that is saying this. That this is not everybody. And, and I think that across the board, I think the majority saw what we saw and saw this beautiful thing this this artful depiction of love in a awful situation um i think it's just a very very vocal minority however this is not the first time that we've run across shit like this in the gaming community and this is bringing back echoes of gamergate where just misogynistic douchebags are running their mouths and shouting the loudest um but i want to shout out nick offerman one to the creators of The Last of Us, because the creators of The Last of Us were like, man, if y'all are mad about the homo, like about gay shit, just wait till you find out that Ellie's gay too. <laughs> like, Which is not a secret in the yeah, game. No, yeah, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Like, I, I am loving this because they're just like, man, like, how do you, how do you tell everybody? running around being like, this isn't like the game. This isn't like the game, and prove that you've never actually played the game. It's right fucking here. Like, it, it's, I, I love the response that we've been getting from the actors and the producers that they're just like, fuck off. I don't care what you think. It's it's disappointing that this is how people are using their social media. But I mean, like at this point, I think we're all kind of used to it at this point for people using their social media for ugly, ugly shit. But like, I mean, is this even something that we all need to round table? We're all pretty much on the same page with this, right? Like, this is fucking stupid. And yeah. the fact that people are, are are shouting about this is just like, you love you love showing people how, how awful you are. And social media does a great job of showing people exactly who they are. Or showing everybody, showing the world who they really are. 
Um, it's 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 disappointing, but yeah. this one means yeah. It almost robs a little bit of enjoyment because I'm sitting there watching. And I'm like, man, this is great, but then there's still like a small fraction of my brain that's like, ugh, here they come. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's going to be everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it does take a little of a modicum of joy away from from the thing because you just know that the douchebags are waiting in the wings to, yeah. to start with all their complaining and whatnot. So yeah. it sucks from that perspective, but uh, can't stop the signal as they were want to say yeah. they're in serenity. So uh, keep doing what you're doing. If you got this many people mad, maybe you're doing something right. Oh, well, yeah. when you yeah. when, when when you make Ben Shapiro mad that he's writing paragraphs, you're, you're <laughs> oh. on the right track. Oh man! Yeah, absolutely, that, you are doing the right thing. That 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 sad, sad little man who's just like, like I I take so much joy in watching him get angry. I love watching him mad. Mad Ben Shapiro is so enjoyable for me because it's just like it's like when, okay, you're an adult and you have a relative or just family friend that has a little kid and the little kid's mad. And they're telling you how mad they are and they're growling at you or they're holding their fist and you look down at them and you're like you're fucking adorable look at you look at you getting mad like y'all y'all yeah. heard donald lever's joke about racism being funny when it's little and he and he, he, he talks about uh about there being like a, like a sitcom and it's him and a tiny clansman um <laughs> And like every time I hear Ben Shapiro's voice, which thankfully is very rare, it just sounds like someone shrank someone. Like it sounds like someone took an, a, a grown adult person and ran them through a fucking shrink ray. And now it's like, well, you know, relax. I'm like fucking, I'm sorry the Lollipop Guild is not having a great time right now, but fucking chill. All right. Like right. just. Honey, I, I shrunk the bigot. <laughs> <laughs> and I put out my uh my review for Glass Onion and I was like, didn't like this movie. I don't like Glass Onion. And here's why. And then, you know, it did when it finally hit Netflix and Ben Shapiro had his whole thing about I didn't like Glass Onion. And I was like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I don't want to agree with this about asshole. This? No. Yeah. <laughs> Do I need to reassess my yeah. opinion? Well, I definitely rewatched the movie. Yeah. You give it a little bit of a better review. You're like, it's all right, I guess. It's you know, <laughs> more of a C minus than the D. On a second viewing. On a second viewing. Uh, second viewing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> real fast. I'll give it an extra half star. Yeah. Oh, I do man. I do want to get your perspective on, on one aspect um, that I thought... I can't say for sure that it isn't because it's not my place. But I do want to bring up the fact that I have had people say, and I have read, that having a storyline like this, unfortunately, feeds into the bury your gaze trope. And I personally disagree because I feel like Bill and Frank were ancillary characters in this in this game uh, to begin with. They were like not a huge focus, the huge focus obviously being Joel and Ellie, but like Basically, like the, the I'm going to read it uh, back in 2016, the death of the 100 character Alexa inspired queer women, women's site auto to make a list of every lesbian or woman, uh, bisexual woman on TV who had died in their shows. At present, the list now stands at over 225 characters. 
that's just TV and that's just queer women. The trope also extends to films and gay and bi men. No queer people are immune. Um, and it goes into what this is. This goes all the way back to the Hayes Code, a rule in early Hollywood that said sexual acts considered perverted, including suggestions of same-sex relationships were banned, and that any sex outside of straight sex between a husband and wife had to always be shown in a negative light and with negative consequences, usually meaning death. Now, here's the flip side to this too. It's essentially the barrier gaze trope is gay people get killed in shows so that straight people can mourn them. I don't think that that's what happened in this, though, because while Joel was sad, it, it, it that wasn't the focus of the story. The focus of the story was to show their love. And I thought that that was the focus. Now, again, I'm I'm not gay, so I don't feel like I can say, yes, this was or no, this wasn't. And that's not my place. But based on my perspective, I think that it it, it doesn't. But I wanted to get your guys take on this and see what you think. Um because there, a case could be made. I just don't think that it, it, it fits in this in this particular circumstance. Rambo, we'll start with you and then we'll go kind of back that way. And then Daryl, you can close us out. Um, as the resident queer. Uh, I am... <laughs> Jesus Christ, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I honestly thought that you picked me on purpose. No, because you um, ended you ended the last one. So I went, I'm doing round robin. You start just, and then we go back. You know, it just worked out the way it was supposed to. Um, I can see why someone would say that. I can, um, I understand why someone might take that tack with this. Um, I think it's reactionary. I don't think it's actually assessing the story itself, um, or the impact it's, it can and will have. Um, the problem with the barrier, well, well, I mean, the problem with barrier gaze trope is it fucking exists. The, the it, it, you might as well say that any time uh, the loved one of a superhero is killed, that that person was fridged. That's not what that means. These are this is a particular uh, term and trope that has a particular um, a specific meaning and representation. And this was not a matter of um, you know. Uh, uh, a woman getting killed to cause you know man pain for our lead character uh like like you said mike this was a um i mean the the fact that that joel and ellie were there is, is tertiary to the story overall like yeah you know episode three you could you could cut off the bookends of that show uh lose the you know what seven eight minutes and have it just be this um and it works perfectly well on its own um that story is not told to get a reaction out of joel that story is told because they have the opportunity and the wherewithal to do it um these are not men who died uh tragically and uh and and saved the lives of, of the straits um in, in order to, to you know sacrifice themselves in order to to, to make sure uh, a straight man or woman survived um this is two men who met, fell in love, uh, lived together uh, through uh, uh, in, into a healthy old age, and then died on their own terms. Um, if someone takes issue with that, that's unfortunate. Uh, I you know I can't tell you how you're supposed to feel, but I think that conflating 
that trope with this episode is um, misguided. At the uh, uh, the is the best way I can think to put that. Yeah, uh, agreed. Yeah. Um, MC Daryl thoughts. I mean, I, I echo everything uh, Rambo just said. Plus, I, I want to read this quote from the Screen Rant article because I think it also kind of uh, kind of sums it up. Because they also uh, kind of side with what Rambo said that they um, they they say that this uh, this episode turns the barrier gaze trope on his head. And uh, quote instead of, their tra- instead of their tragic separation, Bill and Frank got to love each other until their last moment. The tragedy of their ending was re- was replaced with only love, where the pair got to die in each other's arms. Their deaths held meaning, unable to fathom being apart. Bill decided he would rather die alongside the love of his life. Instead of the fleeting characters they were in the game, Bill and Frank were fleshed out into real characters whose narratives served no one but each other. And I think that kind of, that, I mean, I think that, I mean, exactly. Um, I, I would probably slightly disagree with the last thing because I think a little bit of, a little bit of their story is kind of, and Joel was kind of already going down this path anyway, but he was, is what kind of inspired, I think, was kind of the thing for him to not be, not to push Ellie away in the way that, that he had been and maybe open himself up even in, in a way that he hadn't, you know, given what happened to his daughter in episode one and what happened with Tess in the, in the previous episode two that, you know, this is kind of, a, it kind of turns as, as somewhat of a lesson to Joel to like, it's okay to open up again, you know, with this this kid that you are, you know, looking after for the time being. But aside from aside from that, I think that, that I think that hits it on the head. I mean, I, I pretty much, I, you know, I agree with everything Rambo said, I agree with everything that, that, that um, that's, that's listed here. Um, it would be, like I said, it would be one thing if, if, um, you know, if if there was some other thing, some other thing to it, but you know, these characters were fleshed out in ways that they that they weren't, and it is kind of like a very like like it like that 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 um that criticism almost to some degree kind of sounds like it was written by someone who didn't watch the episode, yeah, but heard but heard what happens at the end and made a judgment about the episode itself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's um, like I said, it, it just feels reactionary. It just feels uh, uh, I'm. It feels like someone who's yeah. disappointed about things and and, and is uh, looking to uh, they they have a square hole. They're looking for a square peg, and they've decided to shave the edges off of this one to make it work. See, I I looked at it as somebody who got to see this beautiful interaction and was disappointed that it ended the way it did because so often that's the way it does because of yeah. the barrier gaze trope and not saying that like this one definitely fit that like it just didn't pass a smell yeah. test to them because it was like all right this is just another example of, yeah. of of gay love being something where people have to die well, I, again kind of, i i get it but i yeah. don't agree well it's kind of like what i would say what i said on last week's episode yeah about with uh with sarah which i was like i mean like i'm sure it wasn't intentional but you know, to cast a black character in a role that they inevitably die, like it, 
it you know it makes me feel a little bit icky about it even 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 if it's yeah. like like narratively it makes sense why it has to happen and because that was something that also happened in the game also yeah like it you know it, it felt a little off and just in being like oh yeah you know representation for 50 minutes of this this episode you know like it feels a little so i i get where it can come from even if it's not necessarily like it's not necessarily that yeah Daryl, what say you, my man? Yeah, I mean, I'm right there, on about evenly par with you guys. I, I could see where there might be some rankling, but uh, I can't fully agree with the, the. The trope definitely exists, but I don't think this is a fine example of said trope. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of hard to, to do the tragic thing when there's nothing tragic about it. Uh, I mean, the, yeah. the circumstances that they're in are shitty, but not. Yeah. Tragic. They have to have long, lush, full, well carved out yeah. lives on screen. So one yeah. of the things they, that made, I... they made it a choice too, which is yeah. the, the, the deviation from the game. Like what yeah. ha what happened in the end was a choice. It wasn't the game where Frank has the disease uh, for the first time in the game. Like, yeah, they, they made they made this stuff a choice, which I think makes it a little makes it different in than than the trope. I will say too, one of the things that I loved about it was like how realistic it was. Um, Frank was a runner. Bill hated it and he, he was miserable and he didn't want to do it. And, and like, like he, he's sweating his ass off. He's like, oh God, this is so painful. Like, I love that you saw them like retain their individuality, but still like their love shown through. Like when... when <laughs> When Frank storms out and they're fighting with each other, and he's like, oh, yeah. "You and your conspiracy bullshit!" Like, just like <laughs> it was such a real fight between between uh, a couple, and like the fucking strawberry scene, man, that was so beautiful. Like when he's like, mm -hmm. "No, not on the strawberries!" Like that was, it was just out outstanding. Like <laughs> that, that was such a great, like, honest mode between the two of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, and honestly, MC, like you made a really good point about you know the, um, you know, calling back to 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 our last episode about um, the, the frustration of representation um, in in particular situations uh, and, and particular roles. Um, so yeah, I I, I I yeah, I want to walk back a little bit of my sort of potential bitterness in anybody who is making these calls because you know for for a lot of people um you know i i really came to my uh my my realization about my own uh uh, uh sexuality fairly late in my life um you know at least you know all things considered from perspective uh so i haven't really lived with that in this in the same way and for the same length of time that a lot of people have um so it, it's it is easier for me to say like ah well you know that's not what this is uh you know you should get over yourself but you know if you are someone who is who knew who they were very early on or who has really uh had to live with um you know that degree of persecution i could see that being really any example of that being uh um very easy to to label uh in that way um 
but yeah, you know, with that said, I, I don't think that this falls into that category. I do think that this is, um, you know, uh, characters making choices, um, you know, that but like, like they, they got to make the decision and go out yeah. on their terms. It humanizes um, them. It, 100%. Yeah, it adds it adds a full third uh, uh, dimension to them. Um, and, you know, just like, God, like the vulnerability that Offerman brings to that fucking role. Um, I, which, you know, I, I, I don't know, I don't get ahead of you, Mike, but there is another aspect of this that I've seen talk about a couple times. Yeah. Which is Nick Offerman is not gay. Hmm? So no, I know he's not, but like I'm, I'm curious where you're going with this. You have a straight character playing, playing in a gay romance. Gotcha. Um, You know, Murray, Murray Bartlett is queer, um, but you know, Offerman. Well, I I can't say definitively that Offerman is is 100 percent straight. I don't know that, Um, but I I know that he's married to a woman. I know that. Yeah. I mean, like I myself am in a long-term relationship. Yeah, but that yeah, exactly. Um, It doesn't mean anything per se. you You know, it's it's. There is something to be, you know, that, I mean, that's always such a fine line. And I, I, I know that, you know, uh, you know, the four of us being, you know, all around the, around the same age, you know, we, we do have a bit of a, a, a bit of a thicker skin when it comes to, you know, even, even sometimes lesser representation, uh, maybe a little more forgiving in certain places than, than, uh, than younger folks might be. Uh, I'm, I am reminded of, uh, my interest in seeing Brennan Fraser in the whale. Like, I am a fat man. There's no getting around that. Uh, and I fucking hate seeing fat suits on people. It is uh, incredibly frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. There are, you know, as as I've heard many times, there's an obesity epidemic in the United States, so you couldn't find a fucking fat actor. But at the same time, I really like Brendan Fraser. I really like him as an actor. I think Aronofsky's a hell of a director. Um, and it, it seems like this was as genuine as an, an attempt as you could make to, to you know, not be an asshole about the way this was adapted without just flat out, you know, hiring. Like if you, if, if you want Brendan Fraser to play this role, you have two options. You either, you know, make a hell of a fucking fat suit, or you have him put on 500 pounds, like, <laughs> and one of those things is not feasible. Like, you know, the the man shouldn't be doing his Christian Bale shit and, and just yo-yoing up and down with his fucking body. Um, but I, I can't sit here and be like, you know, anybody who is upset about this is wrong, because they're not. You know, that's yeah. a, you know, there was a, there was an article about it. The guy Branham uh, wrote a great article about it, um, about the fact that like, you know, this, this is a role that I could have gone out for. This is a role that like innumerable people would have gone out for. And instead you hired a, you know, not a thin actor, but a, you know, not an obese actor to play this role and, and had to augment that with, uh, with makeup and effects. Um, so it, you know it is unfortunate. Like Offerman uh, gives an incredible performance, but could that be a role that went to a queer actor? Absolutely. Um, 
for me, I think there is a bit of stunt casting there. Uh, and I don't even say that in a negative way, uh, but you know, I, I did not see that coming. I didn't see that, that, you know, sort of twist coming and, and being able to play up on the, the overall perspective and, 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 and like the, the pop culture perspective of Nick Offerman and, and, you know, you see Nick Offerman at this point, you see Ron Swanson yeah. and to, to have that actor in that role and have it be like, oh yeah, oh, by the way, he's, uh, he's a gay man, uh, and, and arguably a closeted gay man, um, just based on their reaction. Um, Which makes sense for the time too. With it, makes sense uh, for the time as well. For 2003. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was it's, one it's, of those- It's complicated. It, it, it's a very complicated yeah. thing. I, I wasn't mad at it, but again, I can't be mad at people who yeah. are upset about it. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And it's one of those things where like, honestly, like I, I'm, I'm glad that you said it because I felt it as well. Um, but it also like to speak to Daryl's point of like it, this show is trying to make a make it very, very clear that it is not The Walking Dead. Um, as soon as dude shows up, as soon as as soon as Frank shows up and they have this beautiful dinner and he pairs it with the wine, like in retrospect, watching the whole episode, the whole like his comment about like, I can't believe you knew what kind of wine to serve with um, with uh, rabbit like. I was like, oh, okay, so that makes sense now with what they're doing. But like, honestly, I thought that was going to be a throwaway line because Frank was going to pull some shit and like it was going to become like a he's going to kill him because he wants the, he wants all these weapons and all this other stuff that Bill has, because that's what zombie shows do. And then it didn't do that. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is not what I was expecting. And like, like you said, Ron Swanson. Um, I fuck. I just did it. Yeah, Nick Offerman, Ron Swanson. Like those two <laughs> characters are so inter. They're they're so tied to each other, and like you don't expect to see Nick Offerman play a role like that. And then when you do, you're just like, fuck. This guy's a really good actor, and you're reminded of how good an actor he is. And like, it was honestly for me, it was a breath of fresh air. Thank you for not being The Walking Dead, basically. Like that. That's that's yeah. That was my big thing with this. Um, we'll go ahead and wrap up here, but like, I'll give parting, um, remarks for anybody. Daryl, do you have anything else that you want to say about this episode or, and honestly, since you weren't here last, uh, last episode, like anything you want to say about the series so far that you've enjoyed that you haven't liked, whatever, whatever it be. No, dope series so far. I'm enjoying it. Um, I got to see Anna Torv, Fringe Forever. So that's always, it's always great. I, I think, you know, it's, it's. Oh. One thing that the hip hop community is terrible at is naming something a classic the moment that it drops. Oh, <laughs> that is. We are we are terrible for it. Uh, it is too early to call King's Disease Three a classic. Anyways, um, <laughs> it's it's too early. But I will say that I could see this past episode being one of the best bottle episodes that we have gotten in quite some time uh you know all sorts of shows have had great bottle episodes but this is one that i think is going to skyrocket up the charts as far as just a singular contained story um it was done beautifully and this series is being done beautifully um i a huge proponent of the binge model but this is one that i'm glad we're getting we're getting the iv drip on we or we we it's yeah. it's it's a return to appointment television as they call it and i'm yeah. all for it Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um MC. No, no, just to echo that point too. Yeah. Um it's I think this this show is one is, is a show that 
probably is going to work better in this format as opposed to a binge mm -hmm. simply because I mean, we talked about this before like we're forced to sit with it until we get the next thing oh yeah and, and i think it, it's much it would be much harder to kind of draw specific attention to this one episode if they had just dropped the entire like all 10 episodes mm -hmm. all at once oh yeah so i think i think that uh, i think yeah. that is um well, that, i definitely agree with that i feel like disney plus started doing it um and that's where we all were like oh shit. like with wandavision well, like when that came well, pretty out pretty much everyone but netflix was doing it yeah for, for the most part but like we um and which is ironic as netflix yeah just just fucks dog over and over again as they like try to keep their stock from swirling down the toilet um but like <laughs> i i love i love the aspect that we that we get a chance to talk about it between each episode and like it, it's it's going back to like Daryl said, it's appointment television, but more so like we get to have these water cooler conversations about the thing that happened, and like that, yeah. like inspires more excitement about the show. It starts fan theories, like what we did with Wandavision, like well, oh fuck, that was Mephisto, um, shit like that. So like, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a good thing. Um, Rambo, I last said, thoughts. Uh, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead, MC. Oh yeah, no. Well, the the the, the last the, the only other thing I had was. Uh, there were that there were some like um that there were easter eggs apparently from like uh like reference like apparently the dialogue in the woods with joel and ellie is stripped strict uh, right from the game that uh, you can overlap the two scenes and the dialogue is, is one no to one no shit then um there was a cool reference to that um when Ellie makes a reference to 28 Days Later when she talks about the monkey outbreak which would make sense because that movie came out June 2003 just a few months prior to all this to, to all this stuff happening yeah and um the last thing is the last shot of the episode is also a reference to the title to the the screen of the game the window shot yeah, yeah. which i didn't pick which i didn't pick up on until after but yeah that's that's those that was my last things the uh the only thing i'll add is uh it's interesting to be able to look at someone's career and see where they started and where they've ended up. Because if you told me that the guy who wrote Rocket Man, Senseless, for anyone who doesn't recall, Senseless starring Marlon Wayans and David Spade, yeah. Scary yeah. Movies 3 and 4 and Superhero Movie, was also the showrunner of Chernobyl and The Last of Us. No shit, are you serious? <laughs> Greg Mazin has had quite a career. That is, that is, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and a lot to be clear, of that. to be clear, Rocket Man starring Harlan. Williams, which is weird because that's like this. Yeah. That's the second. That's the second Rocket Man reference we've made twice. And like that's two weeks in a row that Rocket Man has gotten mentioned. You could have watched this. The Harlan Williams seminal um, uh, classic Rocket Man is was exactly what you said last week. <laughs> There's a phrase that we like to use at work when uh, whenever we see a trailer for something that looks a little suspect, like oh, I'll do this. The phrase we use is lights and groceries. Somebody had to just pay lights and groceries. Hey. And that, that first half of his career was all lights and groceries, yeah. I feel oh, like. Yeah. Hey. And now he's like, let me let it's, me do what I want to do. It's like Dennis Hopper's quote to his kid when he was talking about being in the Super Mario Brothers movie. He was like, listen, man, you know, this is daddy's job. And I got to, you know, you need shoes. So I got to take this job so you can get shoes. And his kid's response was, dad, I don't need shoes that bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, and then and, you know, I'll 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 uh, I'll add to that someone asking Michael Caine about Jaws: The Revenge. It's, you know, Mr. Kane, have you seen Jaws Revenge? He says, no, but I've seen the house it bought. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm super excited to keep watching this show. I can't wait to see what else uh, they're going to bring us uh, with The Last of Us. But our next episode, make sure you tune into that because we're going to be talking about all of these major announcements that just came out with James Gunn and Peter Safran um, in charge of the DC universe. Um, I wouldn't even say the film universe because it's TV, it's video game, like everything's going to be connected. Yep. So that's going to be dope. So big thanks to Daryl Mansell, um, paparicareviews.com. Check it out. They're, all of his movie reviews are on there. I'm looking at all of all of these now. Uh, the Knock at the Cabin, I'm curious about that. Oh, well, it's M. Night Shyamalan, so I'm pretty sure I know how that's going to go. Um, surprise, man. Really? I, I apparently. Really? Hey, so all the more reason for you to go to paparicareviews.com and take a listen or read of Daryl's review of Knock at the cabin so that'll be uh that'll be interesting uh but daryl thanks so much for joining us man you uh you down for some dc um movie film tv announcement podcast fun yeah man i'm i'm down for it i'm interested to see what kind of vision gun brings to this whole thing gun and saffron and in wb in general um i i it's it's good to finally have a unifying vision this uh, hopefully that director and studio are both on board with um, I'm all for it. Not even a Superman fan. I'm on board as not liking Superman, but I'm very interested to see what they do with this guy, man. It's 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 uh, exciting times. Sweet, man. So you willing to stick around for another podcast episode? Sure. Outstanding. So for all of us here, for James Rambo, for MC Brooks, for all of us here at the Great Geek Refuge, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing, for doing all those wonderful things that you do on the website. And remember, folks, together, there are no heights that we can't reach. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts.